Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate, and I'm a homeschooling mom doing this homeschool thing right beside you. I don't have it all figured out, but one thing I know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Join me and other down-to-earth members of the homeschool community as we share the reality of what this homeschooling journey is really like. Hi, sisters. I hope you are doing well. I am popping into your earbuds this week, and I am sharing a topic that's something that I love talking to others about, to other homeschoolers about. Whenever we have a day in the life event in Neverboard Learning, I always ask our guests what they would tell their younger homeschool self if they were able to, what advice they would give or tips they would share. And I thought it would be a fun episode to talk about that. I am feeling nostalgic. If you caught the episode where I talked about my two bigs trying public school, we're wrapping up our ninth year of homeschooling. And this year, I only have one at home because my 15 and 13-year-olds wanted to try high school and middle school respectively, and they are rocking it. And I'm all about following their lead. And But I'm feeling nostalgic because I'm feeling like it all just... Those nine years went by in a complete blink. Where did they go? Weren't we just at the farm feeding the animals and going to the library and making mud pies? It just went by so fast. So I thought it would be fun to share what I would tell myself. And then I would love if you can either call in and leave a message because you can leave us a voicemail and I will share a link to that in the, the show notes. If you want to leave us a voicemail and tell us what you would tell your younger homeschool self, or if you want to leave a comment on either, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you want to leave a comment on the YouTube video, you can now watch us on YouTube. If you, this was a sister's request, people enjoy the podcast, but they also want to sit down have a cup of coffee and feel like they're talking to us. So if that is your jam, we have a YouTube station now, you can leave a comment there, or you can leave a comment on the show notes page itself, which all of that will be linked in. And if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, it can be found in the notes for the episode in your favorite podcast app. So I'm going to share five things that I would tell my younger homeschool self if I ran into her today. And I hope I don't sound too scratchy. It is that time of year when you're wondering if it's allergies or if you're sick. (laughs) Bear with me. I'm a little sound like my grandmother smoking the palm oils back in like the early 90s. The first thing I would tell my younger homeschool self if I were to run into her today, and remember if you listen to the episode where my big kids try public school and I talked about that, I shared our whole homeschool journey. So if you're new to the homeschool sisters or to my little poppies or never bored learning, you can hear our whole story on that episode. But We never planned to homeschool. It was not on my radar. I worked in public schools. I'm a product of public schools. There's not a lot of homeschoolers in this area, especially pre-pandemic. And so it, it wasn't something that I thought of, but my oldest son is twice exceptional, which means he is gifted, but also has significant learning challenges. And they were especially pronounced in the early years especially kindergarten. (laughs) And he just didn't fit in the box. And the long and the sort of it, we had him evaluated. The evaluator was like in the state of New Hampshire, best outcome I've seen in my decades of doing this is to homeschool, especially in the early years. 
And that's how we ended up here. I always say it's a, we are sudden unexpected homeschoolers because we were just like, oh crud, I guess we're doing this. I knew nothing about it. So I would just go back and tell Kate, nothing has changed. We've always been the teacher, right? We taught our kids how to get dressed and how to use a fork and how to hold a book and how to turn pages, how to brush your teeth, all of those things. We have been modeling for and teaching our children from the get-go. And so I would remind myself that really the only thing that's changed is the title. So now I'm continuing to teach them. And I would remind myself too, that I'm an expert on my kids. I think a lot of times when we're thrust into homeschooling at the beginning and we second guess ourselves or we're having that feeling of doubt at three in the morning, we wonder if we're doing it right or if we're doing enough or am I messing them up? And what if they had to go back to school? Would they be okay? I think that's especially true if you have a child with some sort of unique learning needs where you're really having significant challenges where they are behind, you know, that if they were in school, And maybe that's why you pulled them out of school. They would be behind in certain areas because of these weaknesses at that age. So I would remind myself that I'm an expert on my kids and you could take the best teacher in the world. And there are so many fantastic teachers out there. But even if you were to find the world's most perfect, bestest teacher ever, that teacher doesn't know your child better than you do. That, per- that teacher doesn't love your child as much as you do. And that teacher is not as invested as you are in the future outcome of your kiddo. Of course, teachers love and care for their students and they put their whole heart and soul into it. And there are some amazing teachers out there, so many, but you are the expert on your own child. I would just say that you've always been the teacher and you're the expert. So in your moments of doubt, just remember those two things. The second thing I would say to Kate back in 2014 is to try as much as possible to extract the education from the school in public school or a charter school or a private school and get a fantastic education. You can also be in a school and learn very little. Education is not tied to a school building. Education is something that doesn't just happen in a brick building from eight to three. Education is something that happens 24 seven until you've lived your whole life. Try to get rid of that. What are they supposed to be learning? If I started first, first grade, what is a first grader supposed to be learning? What is their reading level supposed to be? What is their spelling supposed to be? What math are they supposed to be learning? All of that was just arbitrary. It was made up by some guys like in a boardroom somewhere. And your children are always learning, always learning. They can't not learn. They're so good at it. Sure. They might not learn what some guy thinks you should learn in third grade, but that doesn't mean they can't learn it later when they're interested in it or when they realize they should know it. My youngest, for example, hates writing and always has. And in the early years, that was a huge struggle. It still can be a struggle sometimes, but when your kids reach a certain point, they're just more logical. And you can say, you don't like, this isn't your thing. But writing is a part of life and you have to do it. And that that encourages them to want to do it, even if they don't like it, because they know it's something they have to do. My oldest was like that with organization. It's not his thing, 
but he wants to be organized. Like it's just, you get this motivation because they're getting more mature and they realize that there's some things they just have to do kind of like laundry. Don't love it, have to do it. It's always going to be there. So might as well make amends, make it work. So I would say separate education and school, forget about what you're supposed to be learning. Remember kids learn all the time. The third thing that I would say is to focus on routines rather than schedules. And this is especially true if you are a product of public school like I was, or if you worked in public schools like I did. It's really hard to get rid of the schedule. It's hard to not think of subjects as discrete things. This is history, and this is geography, and this is math. In the real world, all of that is all mixed together. If a schedule works for you, go for it. But if you're feeling like a schedule doesn't work, because I think a lot of us start out homeschooling and try to recreate school at home, which is silly because school either wasn't working or wasn't something that we wanted. And so why are we trying to recreate it at home? But we do, we did it too. And if you're feeling like that's failing and doesn't feel good to you, focus on routines. So I can tell you in our family, uh, I'm a book lover. My first word was actually bookie. I'm obsessed from the beginning, like from the very get-go. And as an educator, I know that reading aloud and providing your child with the joy of a story and getting lost in the story and the language of reading aloud and the connection that you have when you read aloud, that is the single most important part of your entire homeschool day. If you can raise a child who loves stories, you can eventually raise a child who loves books because reading itself is a skill and it take and it's hard work. So you have to want to do that. And the way that they want to do it is to be exposed to really delicious stories and really awesome books. So don't worry so much about the reading. Our family, we would just, this is going back to pre, even when we didn't homeschool yet, when it wasn't on our radar, we started our days with a read aloud or 10. I would, and I became more purposeful about it when we started homeschooling, because I knew no matter what, I don't know what homeschooling is going to look like. I tried a million different things, throw like sp throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. And I knew despite that, first of all, I love books. Second of all, that's probably the easiest thing for me to do because I love them. Third of all, it's the most important thing that it's just, there's data on that. If you don't if you have never read the Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trelease, I would highly recommend it. It's a game, it's a game changer. I give it to new parents all the time. Whenever someone in my family is having a baby, I'm like, here you go. It's such a good book, but it is the most important thing you can do. Very early on in our homeschool, I started reading first thing in the morning. My kids have always been early risers. I would have a cup of coffee or three and read aloud to them while they were eating breakfast. And I found that worked for us because there was less chatterboxness. There were fewer sibling squabbles because they were hungry and they're eating and their mouths were busy and their hands were busy. And at some point we realized that we were referring to it as coffee and books. And it was just what we did every morning. And that was, and when I say every morning, I'm talking even this year, I still read picture books with my 11 year old. And my big kids, but they're at school it's when we're 
my 11 year old doesn't have yet. When I say that that was the spine of our homeschool, it a hundred percent was, it would start our day. It gave us an anchor for our morning. It was something that we did. It was something that we loved. We connected first thing in the morning over stories. Sometimes I would read silly books. Sometimes I would read books we've read 150,000 times already, like Dinosaur Rumpus. And sometimes I would think to myself, hey, as the years went on, we've been really, we've been slacking on science or we really haven't done a lot of history. So I would go and clear the shelf at the library with fun science picture books or cool biographies, history, fun picture books about history. And I would fill in the gaps with books. And those read alouds fueled so much learning and so much conversation throughout the entirety of our homeschool. I would still read picture books. I have a course called How to Rock the Most Important Part of Your Homeschool Day. And it's all about how to create a simple yet sustainable read aloud habit in your homeschool because it's the most important thing. And and in that course, I talk about how you never outgrow picture books. I am almost 45 and I have never outgrown a picture book. I've loved them from the beginning. I go to the library still with my kids and get picture books for myself that I then read with them. I would just recommend that you read with your kids and focus on a routine that works for your family versus a schedule. Focus on the things you're good at and the things that are most important. So for us, that's reading aloud and play and time spent in nature. And especially in the early years, we did so much of that. The fourth thing that I would say is that you have way more time than you think you do. If you have littles, anything third grade or below, all you need to do, like really, is read books with your kids, spend time outdoors in nature, play, let them play by themselves, play with them, and then have so many conversations. They will learn so much from just that. And you're preserving childhood. You're letting them pursue their own interests and delight and find out what they love. And that will serve them well later. You have so much time. My oldest two are in public school this year and they're having a blast with it. But I'm just so incredibly grateful for all of the time that they had in the early years up until this year to read whatever they wanted, whether that was an entire stack of books on the Babysitter's Club or Greek mythology or Captain Underpants, whatever, that they were able to spend time reading things that interested them and made them happy and filled their souls, that they were able to spend hours every day outside, that they got to know the land around here and they know our favorite trails and how New Hampshire changes for the seasons and our local farm stands and what produce comes out at what times and being in touch with all our local farms and animals and knowing their names and reading what they want, playing what they want. My daughter is now 13. She and my youngest, who's 11, played with dolls until she started public school. And that's way longer than I played with dolls. And I just... It, it was such a part of her childhood and she was allowed to be little. And I think there's something to say for that. Childhood is such a blink that it's awesome 
that we can give them that space to be kids and they can learn all of that stuff later. Pursuing rabbit trails, if they got really interested in Lego stop motion animation, they could do that for the afternoon because for me, that was school and they're interested in it. And that was something that they learn from. So you have so much more time. They'll learn when they have to because they get more mature. And you can just say, I say with my youngest all the time, like you, I know you don't like writing, but writing is something you have to do. And he knows that now it's not like, He's not battling me on it because he's mature enough to know, hey, I do need to write, so I better do it. And I could think of a million other examples of that. The fifth and final thing that I would tell my younger homeschool self if I were to run into her is to take interest in what my kids are interested in. If I embraced that earlier on, it's not that I didn't, but I didn't see it as part of our learning. If you're interested in what your kids are interested in, if you follow their lead, if, if your kid is really into space and you talk about that and you get some space puzzles at the, the puzzle swap at the library, you take out some space books, you maybe find a space game, you go to a planetarium, you watch some documentaries and movies together, you have conversations and conversations. What your kids are interested in, in, and this goes for teens too, they that's what sticks. That's what they will remember. I'm actually going to be recording a podcast episode on this more specifically and how I ended up embracing this in our homeschool and creating what I call lazy unit studies. I've talked about them on Sisters before, Kara and I have, but it's been a while. And I think it's important to know that it still works with teens because this is many years later talking about it, but they're embracing those rabbit holes with your child. You don't need to know if your kid is really into tractors. You don't need to know anything about tractors. You just need to follow that interest and gather information and ask questions and learn beside each other. And you can incorporate, and it gets easier the more you do it, every subject with any interest. I'm talking Minecraft. I'm talking animal tracks. I could tell you so many stories of how, when I leaned into this, how much my kids absorbed and how much they still remember today from those early lazy unit studies and rabbit trails that we followed. And when you do that, first of all, you're showing your kid that you value what they think and what they're interested in and their uniqueness. Even, even if you don't like it, when I talk about the lazy unit studies, I'll tell you about the balloons. I hate balloons. But I'll save that. I'm not going to go into that now because I don't want to double up. Even if you don't think what they are interested in is educational, there is a way to make it educational. And because it's something that they're passionate about, it will stick. What I want to go out on is that when we show interest in our children and teens' interests, we're showing them that their thoughts and ideas and interests are important. You, we're showing them that they can pursue their own interests, that they are safe to do that, to be their unique, quirky self. And we are teaching them and modeling for them how to seek information, to think about the information we find, to think critically about it, to consume it, and to learn. And if you raise a kid or a teen that is curious about the world and about their interests and likes to learn about things that they're interested in, they can learn anything. So we're teaching them how to learn, how to do research, how to find information. So then down the road, should your child be off at college, 
and the dishwasher at the apartment is on the fritz, they could look up a YouTube video to see how to fix it. If they really want to learn to crochet, they could pull up YouTube and learn how to crochet. They could learn in that they're interested in. And that's really what we really want is not to raise like a genius who knows everything. We want to raise kids who are happy and who follow their interests and do things in life that are going to fulfill them and that they remain curious and interested about the world and the people around them. And I think when we delight in what delights them, that ha- that's more likely to happen. So that's what I would tell Kate of 2014. You've always been the teacher. Nothing's changed, but the title of homeschooler, separate education from school, focus on routines over schedules. Don't worry about what they should be doing or learning or you know, where they should be at with X, Y, Z. You have way more time than you think you do. So take advantage of that open space and read all the books and play as much as you want with your kids and let them play by themselves. Spend so much time outside, have conversations and finally be interested in what they're interested in and learn beside them and teach them to be curious, joyful, lifelong learners. No matter where you are in your homeschool journey, remember you've got this. I would love to hear what you would tell your younger homeschool self. So whether you're watching this on YouTube, listening to this in your favorite podcast app, or you're listening to the replay through the show notes page, leave me a comment. You can send us a voicemail. There'll be a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a comment on the show notes or you can leave a comment on YouTube. I look forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Bye sisters. Hey sisters, Kate here. As a lifelong gamer, school psychologist, and homeschool mom, I have witnessed time and time again the power of play when it comes to learning. In fact, I truly believe that homeschooling can be almost all fun and games. Now, does that mean it's going to be all sunshine, rainbows, and laughter? Heck to the no way. But I do believe we could all be having a heck of a lot more fun. A playful mindset can transform your homeschool routine and your family life. The best part? You don't need an overflowing game closet to get started. You can be a game schooler today with just a deck of cards, and I'd love to show you how. That's why I created Never Bored Learning. Never Bored Learning is a private online community for creative parents and educators who embrace play-based learning and game schooling. The goal of Never Bored Learning is to play more and learn lots in the process. Your Never Bored Learning membership includes access to monthly guest speakers, live Q&As, monthly day-in-the-life family spotlights, and an ever-growing library filled with printable resources, including documentation resources, challenges, and print-and-play games and activities. But the very best part of NBL is the private online community forum. This is not a Facebook group, and it is hands down my favorite spot on the internet. The community is a vibrant one, filled with creative parents and educators. I wake up every morning before my kids, I pour myself that very first cup of coffee, and I hang out in the MBL community forum. It's my favorite way to start the day, and I'd love to see you there. 
If you'd like to learn more about Neverboard Learning, visit neverboardlearning.com. That's N-E-V-E-R-B-O-A-R-D-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.com. And if you're not ready for a monthly commitment, but you're interested in getting your feet wet with game schooling, I invite you to sign up for our free seven-day game school kickstart, which you can find on mylittlepoppies.com, or enroll in our digital course, Game Schooling 101. I can't wait to show you the power that play can have on your homeschool and family life. I wish you a play-filled year, sisters. Chat soon. Bye for now.